This is Jesse Parker and Tommy Niblack. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Faith, Faith Chair, Chair, where we answer the questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. And on today's episode, Jesse and I are joined by the host of the Humble and Honest podcast, Stephen Francis, as he shares some of his most out-of-the-box conversations that he's ever had on the show. I hope you're ready. Let's get into it. All right. It is Faith Chair. There's two introductions that I have to do. Uh... And let me let me let me start by saying this first. Hello world. And meld that with it is Faith Chair Friday. What's <laughs> going on? <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Um we here. Uh Jesse and I, Jesse's hair is looking pretty, is is on point. It, it's not it's a little <laughs> I was canning with stuff earlier, so it's a little a little crazy. It's a little disheveled. But I can't help him anyway because I'm just coming out of quarantine, so there's nothing I could do. Um, but we are joined by our good friend Stephen Francis from the Humble and Honest podcast, and it's a, uh, a pleasure to have Stephen with us. Um, Jesse and I have some great conversations. We've been having some great conversations, but it's always good to have a third person in to get their perspective, their thoughts, um, and Stephen. Yeah. Uh, is a man of the world. He's well read, well spoken, and he's he he's, he gets to speak to uh, and listen to a lot of a lot of very smart, wise people. And, uh, and uh, I love every time you get a chance to talk to to this podcast manager. And also, he's a great uh, preacher speaker as well. Well, well, I'm very flattered and humbled by all of your kind words, and it is so great to be back on the podcast with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Jesse uh, is a new listener to the Humble and Honest podcast. Jesse, what is your what are your thoughts on on the uh, on the Humble and Honest before we get into some of the questions and let Stephen uh, like this join up? Uh, yeah, I've been please be I've sure to be humble it. and honest, by the way, Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, we we've been we've been loving it. Uh, you know, my wife and I were talking about, you know, you you, uh, you hit a lot of the same topics that we hit, but your style is kind of like you 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 more sit back and interview people about different things, um, and then uh, typically, you know, what I've seen you cover a lot of different subjects because it's more about talking with the person that you have on, and and we kind of pick a topic and then just dig real deep into that singular topic so it's kind of two sides of one coin but uh i'm definitely like i'm sit. I, i'm i listen to your podcast and then i fiddle with my microphone like how can i get that that sexy deep voice <laughs> radio sound and that, that steven's got and uh part of it is just you have a real chill way of communicating me and tommy are a little bit like we talk faster a little bit more shotgun um steven's got that 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 low slow uh, base that is uh, real easy to listen to. Um, but I've been loving the topics lately. Uh, we were just listening to your best of, and, and man, there were some, there were some good stuff in those little snippets. Um, I was like, man, that's great. Uh, we listened to the, the, uh, Justin Koo episode, the, I'm going to forget the rest of the guys' names, but, uh, Jonathan Merritt. Yeah. We listened to Jonathan Merritt one. Uh, what else did we, which other one did we listen to? Anyways, I'm gonna forget, but uh, but it was good stuff, man. I was writing down notes. God's been talking to me about some of the stuff from it, so appreciate you doing what you do. 
because uh, uh, it's definitely definitely good stuff and needed conversations. Uh, that's what I, I, I think when I listen to podcasts like yours and other people's, it's encouraging because sometimes uh, you can feel like you're on your own when it, yeah. when it comes to this kind of like, I don't want to call it progressive Christianity. It's more like regressive, like let's get back to what it was originally about. Mm-hmm. And and the heart of the heart of God and the heart of Jesus versus what religion has created over the last two thousand years. And sometimes you feel like you're fighting that fight alone, but then you get an opportunity to 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 see a you know see a, a interview on Justin Ku's YouTube or, or listen to one of your podcasts, even and and like oh I'm not the only one who sees this. I'm not the only one who's feeling this tension. I'm not the only one you know trying to speak this truth into the church. And um, so that's been that's been good. It's been encouraging. So thank you for that. Uh, your podcast is a blessing for sure. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you guys listening and interacting with it. And I definitely agree. I think at the very least, there needs to be more conversations happening in the church about different ideas and things happening in the culture that often, um, unfortunately, just is not the case. And what I enjoy most about what I do is that I get to have conversations that create conversations. And being able to do that and seeing the fruit of that, even hearing someone like yourself say how much you appreciate it, just kind of shows me that it's well worth whatever may come my way that could be considered negative as well in this pursuit of having these type of conversations. Yeah, for sure. So to, 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 to jump off, why did you come back with season eight? What prompted you to come back? Um, I know there was talk initially, you were like, I'm not sure if I'm going to do a, another season. So what was the what was the impetus for you coming back? Great question. Um, just so when we, for all of those listening, uh, Tommy Niblack was the season finale of season two of the Humble and Honest podcast in 2020. And I confessed to him that I was considering that I might not want to do a season three. And the reason for that was solely because I'm somebody that doesn't believe in just doing things for the sake of doing them. I believe in value. I believe in, is what I'm doing actually worth doing? Are there other people that are doing what I'm trying to do better, more effectively? And should I just point people in that direction? And ultimately, what made me say, no, you need to have these conversations. It's not necessarily that I couldn't find anybody that was willing to have that, but I shifted my context in saying that perhaps there are people that will listen to me that won't listen to anybody else. Perhaps the platform and the leadership that God has given me is is, is where it is so that I can do exactly what I'm doing with the Humble and Honest podcast and introduce people to thoughts and ideas and to participate in conversations that they wouldn't have uh, in any other context. And on top of that, it was one of the things where, truth be told, on a more kind of shallow level, um, there was just this constant frustration of listening to other people speak. And I felt this sense of, why aren't they asking about this? Or how come they're not approaching this conversation from this particular context? For all of those listening that may not see my face, uh, I am a black man. I'm a black man that lives in the Northeast part of the country. And so many things that are happening in culture 
uh, are very unique for me compared to how they might be for someone that's in the South or the West Coast or somewhere internationally. And for that reason, I said, I think I need to continue to have these conversations so that I can show that demographic. I can, I can speak from that lens in the hopes that people will gain, again, context and understanding uh, <laughs> that they couldn't get by themselves. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we all have spheres of influence, right? I mean, yeah, if we just ab- abandon it because somebody else does the same thing we do or, or does it better, you know, mm-hmm. you say, hey, just you, everybody go, you know, watch uh, uh, Andy Stanley's sermon on Sunday and I don't need to be a pastor or a preacher or anything anymore. Right. <laughs> it's just exactly. Like, you know, but then you realize, yeah, it's like there's people that we all have spheres of influence in their lives and um, who you're right, Stephen, like they're, they're not going to go listen to someone else, even if I, even if I recommended it. Um, but mm-hmm. I have, we each have a unique opportunity to speak into some people's lives who have not opened up that opportunity to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why God calls, you know, many of us to do the same thing and, and maybe be preaching or speaking a lot of the same messages, but um you know, we each have our own audience. We each have our own niche. We each have the, our own part of the body um, that God has called us to reach. So I'm glad, I'm glad you're, you're still on the horse, man. That's what, Thank you that's so what I was going to say. I'm glad you came back. Um, now, in light of that, so far in, you're, you're in it now. Season three is on and popping. What was your most favorite and what was the one that caused you to like uh, listen to the to the latest one uh, with Mark from Vancouver? And I've heard him speak before uh, on Carrie Newhoff's podcast, but uh, he talked about the Adam Grant book, Think Again, uh, which I love. That book book is ridiculous. What have been the episodes that made you think again? So your your most favorite ones and ones that made you rethink some of your positions on things. You know, my favorite episode this season has personally been the Mark Clark uh, episode for this reason. I, I love his mindset. I love the way he thinks. And as someone that is a pastor myself, to see how he articulates the gospel in a way that attracts both non-believer and believer is amazing. And for that reason, he was a personal favorite of mine. But I will say that two episodes that probably have been the most impactful this season is without question, Brenda Davies and Roy Dockery. I actually put them neck and neck together. Uh, Brenda Davies, um, incredible woman of God. And for anyone that doesn't believe she is a woman of God, um, you can get an earful from me off this podcast. Um, But I believe she is an incredible woman of God. And, And one that we definitely have had very similar experiences. We've come to very different conclusions about different things, but at the same time, I love and respect her view on sexuality. I love and respect her view on how God works within sexuality. And and I believe that 
a lot of the things that she is saying is stuff that is extremely important. And if somebody who would be considered in the more traditional or um, how, do, how do you say conservative circles, if they just took the time just to listen, at the very least, you might walk away with something that helps you understand how to approach people differently how to approach people in a more godly way. Case in point, the thing with Brenda Davies that really stuck with me was how she talked about how purity culture pastors and preachers, uh, people that speak from the purity culture camp, never, never speak on consent. They never speak on how we need to be addressing people of sexual assault um, and, and, and issues pertaining to that. And that alone has shifted the way that I need to be preaching about that subject because the numbers already show that there's a strong demographic. There's a larger number than we're comfortable with of people in those categories. And for years, as long as I've been alive, at least, we haven't spoken to those people. We've only spoken to the don't have sex before you're married or this, that, and the third, which is a clear contradiction of what Christ preached the entire time he was on earth. But still, we, we're, we're trying to scare people into the kingdom of God as opposed to guide them and, and help them understand what purity really is in the context of scripture. And uh, I think that's powerful. And obviously, Roy Dockery is somebody. What I oh, loved fire. about... Yeah, yeah. Fire. Roy Dockery was so powerful and the reason why I believe he was so impactful to me is because Roy Dackery is a pastor that preaches his truth, not worried about the tithe. He's not worried about the church attendance. And when you don't have to worry about paying the bills because of your profession in ministry, if when, when, when it doesn't matter how many people attend your church because you, you need to be sure you're not offending them, the, the, you, you can say whatever you want, believing that it's, that it's biblical and scriptural. And, and that is a reason why I loved hearing what he had to say because there, he said things that I could never say because my church job would just be on the line, you know? Um, and I, 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 I don't know what else to say other than that. That's just the truth. So what was it? Because he talked about uh, tithing. He talked about, and, and Jesse and I have spoken about it before um, in 2020. The, the thing that was, was really that we thought was keeping pastors from talking about the, the, uh, the social injustice, not just in the world, but within the body of Christ, was the fact that the people who were tithing the most were given the most would leave and then there there, there goes the money there, there goes the lights now we can't pay people but without that worry you are free to share the gospel and really uh like what mark said today and jesse and i talk about this uh a lot get back to the cross the life of the christ follower is a life of dying it's a life of death it's a it's it's all about how can i die good today <laughs> you know what i'm saying um so uh that dockery episode was was crazy and i like the, the brenda davies was challenging mm -hmm. absolutely was, was was very challenging uh 
just Jesse, I don't know if you got a chance to hear the Friend of Davies or the or the Roy Dockery one. Mm-hmm. Haven't gotten to those ones yet. Oh my gosh. The so one of the things that she talked about was that well, like you said, the purity culture mm-hmm. thing. Um, Jesse, being a a youth longtime youth pastor, how did you how did you deal with that kind of stuff? Because I know you and Jesse have a had a different approach as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we take we've taken a fairly fairly novel, unique approach to ministry, especially with young people in general. But we try to listen more than we uh, talk at them and try to have conversations as opposed to traditional, um, you know, kid version of adult church kind of setup where we do worship and preach and they just sit there and listen and that kind of stuff. So, you know, when it comes to sexuality, relationships, that kind of stuff, taking the same kind of approach, like let's listen, um, let's build relationship before we try to talk, you know, hard rules. And uh, it's it's crazy. I think one of the things that that I try to tell parents and that we discovered was just like, it's so far beyond what we even imagine. Um, kind of like you said, Stephen, like if you, if you really look at the numbers, like there's a larger population of people dealing with some of these things than we are comfortable admitting to ourselves. Like that conversation alone is uncomfortable, just the reality of the numbers. Mm-hmm. But uh, when it comes to the young people, just hearing some of their stories at the ages that they are at, you realize it's 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 a whole nother ballgame than even what we think and mm. and young people really need to be loved and i think it, for me it really comes down to they need to understand their value um that's one of the biggest things uh, that, that we discovered was when it comes to young people and sexual relationships and um even even falling into patterns of abuse a lot of times it came down to uh, an absence of understanding of self-worth mm-hmm um, that would cause them to either put themselves in bad positions or allow people to take advantage of them um, or actively seek out uh, that interaction because they thought that it caused them to have value, you know? Um, so we never we never really addressed it directly a lot. We would just talk about the sense of like self-worth and have people in your around you who encourage you and support you in your goals and, you know, um, don't compromise yourself for for anyone who's not there for you know those kinds of things so that they would choose the right thing not because it was a rule because we know that don't, doesn't work if I'm not there to enforce the rule the rule doesn't work but but get them to understand who they are and who God says they are so that when the time comes they make the best decision possible was really how we approached it so that's it that that's what it seems like what Jesse just said not trying to get them to follow the rules. It seems like the majority of the guests you've had on since season three has started have been people that kind of live like that, or that's their mantra. I'm not trying to get people to follow the rules. I'm trying to get people to follow Jesus. Is that what you? Is that what you're saying? Because that's yeah, absolutely. New Testament, right? I mean, I'm I'm in Second Corinthians right now, and that's what Paul's breaking down. He's like the the law written on stone versus the law written on the heart, and we talk about this a lot, like the church in many ways has just reconstructed the old covenant in how we treat people mm-hmm. and especially in how we deal with sexuality um, amongst many things. We've completely moved away from Christ and just went back to the, to the old law with like just rules and regulations and, and uh, uh, associated punishments. 100%, 100%. And what I needed for this season 
as 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 a theme that as a theme that's communicated throughout is it's not that I am against church. I mean, I work for a church. It's my profession. It's my livelihood. But I need people to understand who Christ is. I need people to understand what Christ wanted to fulfill in each and every one of us. And how even the lens by which many of us believe we are supposed to see Christ can often also be blurry and skewed and, and messed up. And that's the church. Sometimes, many times, depending on your denomination and things of that nature. So I, I needed people not to speak against the church. And this is something that I do pride myself with is I don't necessarily think I have had anybody on the show that has spoken against the church, but they have challenged church ideals for the better. And I, and I think that's the thing that I ultimately want people to walk away with. Don't leave your church unless, you know, there's things happening that's clearly not what Christ is called to be. But but challenge your church to be better. And, and, and I hope that's something that may be fulfilled um, slowly but surely in the lives of my listeners. How is that translated? You doing these podcasts, so from season one to even se to season three right now, mm -hmm. how is that translated and how you do what you do? Mm. That's a great question. Uh, the thing that first and foremost that it's helped me with is that it's it's given me a lens to see different people. Um, it, it's so easy if 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 all of, if all you do is operate in an evangelical world. You, you automatically think that that's just the way the world is. Case in point, Brenda Davies, that episode, is so contradicting to what a progressive Christian is supposed to look like. A progressive Christian isn't supposed to read her Bible every day. A progressive Christian isn't supposed to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and different people. But that's what I've been told by different evangelicals that, you know, basically there's this progressive movement where they're just trying to throw out Jesus and they want everyone to believe that everything is okay. You could do whatever you want. Brenda Davies, who is a self-identified progressive Christian, is not that. In fact, I would say that she is very conservative in many of her views, um, with the exception of same-sex attraction and um, obviously sex before marriage. But even her view on pro-choice, her pro, her being pro-choice isn't saying that she is pro-abortion by no means, but she believes that there needs to be systems in place that help people have a better yes instead of making the alternate choice of having to terminate a pregnancy because they have no support. So again, being able to now say, oh, there are people that see this. There are people that view life this way. It, it helps give an idea of who is it that I'm really talking to on Sundays? Because it's so easy just for me to think, yeah, I'm preaching to the lost. I was like, no, you're preaching to the choir, bro. You've been preaching to the right, same right. people every single Sunday 
hoping that, you know, someone on the outside will just join that choir. But now I know, man, there's a level of hurt and misunderstanding about scripture and God and holiness that I need to be sensitive to and also speak towards that. And I have been blessed to just hear in the preaching that I've done since the beginning of the podcast, how people was like, hey, you're preaching different. It's like, I feel understood. I feel um, like you were talking to me when you were preaching today. And I truly believe it's because now I am preaching to those people. Beforehand, it felt like they were on the outside, but now uh, I, I think I'm definitely reaching the broader audience the way that Christ would have me to. Mm-hmm. Have you had to come across any any situations where, because I had a, a girl want to join the team. Uh, uh, she was a drummer, a really good drummer, great singer. Come to find out she was a, a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had to have the hard conversation with her that where she wanted to be a part of the community that she wanted to be a part of, they would not accept her uh, in any role. Uh, and my wife and I had the conversation with this girl and we were just bawling in the conversation with her because it, we couldn't understand why she couldn't just play the drums. It's like, you could just play, the, you just play drums, but I have to be the one to tell you, no, you can't play the drums. Um, and I later found out from this girl, uh, she, she was on a podcast. And in that podcast, she said, I know Christians. She wasn't talking about me. She was just because she grew up in church. She said, uh, I know Christians that don't want me to be a Christian. And I heard that at work. And I, I'm bawling. I'm in tears at work. Just like, I, what, what are we doing? When someone can say that Christians don't want me to know Jesus, Mm. regardless of how I'm coming to Jesus, they don't think I'm worthy enough to come to him. Um, So have you had to deal with situations like that? And if you have, how have you? Or if you haven't, how do you think you would deal with them now after talking with uh, people like Brenda? You know, I've made it... uh, personal conviction of mine a long time ago that that wouldn't be my story. Um, Obviously in the church world, um, you have to abide by what the spiritual governance is of your denomination of your church. But I attend a church where we have had multiple same-sex couples attend and we've had them serve in different ways. Um, Now, we have not had the issue of leadership occur yet, which has probably been the one thing that's kept us from conflict where, oh, well, can I lead a Bible study or can I, you know, uh, lead this kids group? We have not dealt with that yet. My hope would be that we would navigate that um, with the with what I believe to be biblical accuracy and an understanding of what that is. But we also, but I also know that we have in our, in our governance that you need to be uh, uh, married to a man or a woman, a, a heterosexual marriage, if you want to lead a marriage group and things of that nature. So I now, now that I remember that, I know that that probably wouldn't be the case 
for those that would want to lead. But I do know, I mean, we've done everything from baptizing same-sex couples. We've uh, did child dedications for same-sex couples. And although I definitely think that we are on the progressive side of the conservative view, um, I also realize that there still is a bit of a disservice to the LGBTQ community because there is a sense of well, you, you accept me up to a point. Um, you affirm me up to a degree. And that's a difficult conversation. It's a very difficult conversation, especially when you consider, okay, well, you know, well, where is the line? Should we have a line? Or do we still need to hold up to some standard? And that's, a, that's something that I believe that needs to be in a conversation um, with different leaders. I don't think and I, and I won't even here give a hard and fast rule on what it should be. But what I do believe without question is clarity. What I do believe is wrong and hurtful is when you are so ambiguous and then somebody seemingly does believe that it's okay only for them to get halted and, and realize, oh, it was never the way that I thought it was all along. So I do believe in clarity um, about that from the upstart. And many times pastors, churches don't want to be clear because if they are, then again, it's just going to affect how they're publicly viewed. Are you called to ministry? Then you need to know about SUM Seattle. The goal of SUM Seattle is to raise up and equip the ministry leaders of the future church. Our aim is that SUM Seattle students graduate our program with the competence, education, and a foundation for ministry for the rest of their lives. Through leadership and mentoring, our students will have access to ministry in large urban communities and inner city outreaches. They will enjoy partnering with local ministries, as well as growing and developing their personal ministry calling. SUM Seattle offers a unique and affordable education, all while engaging in practical ministry experiences. For more information, visit cityviewchurch.com forward slash SUM Seattle today. You know, one of the things that, um, that I've really appreciated about the episodes that I've listened to of Humble and Honest is the kind of, at least to me, it seems to, to be a very clear trend amongst all of the guests that you have of this. Um, I know that you want me to give you a hard and fast rule. Yeah, but that's not how life works. Is human beings aren't that neat and tidy, and and neither is God. And I and I really appreciated that because that's a lot of the conversations I've been having in our church and in our Bible studies as well. Is like, this is what it means to be led by the Spirit. Like I can't, I can tell you, I can tell you some ways that the Bible tells us how to grow in our relationship and our closeness with God and to know his voice and to be sensitive to the spirit. But I can't tell you what to do in every circumstance. Like, like Justin Koo said, like he had the one situation where like the Lord said, yeah, go attend the wedding. But then he had the situation where they asked him to officiate and he felt like the Lord said no. And it's just like, there is no hard and fast rule. It's situation by because you don't know what God wants to do in that moment. And you don't know how, what your role is. And so there can be, you can't really have hard and fast rules about these interactions with people. And, and, but that's scary for people because that means you have to be mature. You have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit 
to be able to receive his direction in, you know, from moment to moment, interaction to interaction, situation to situation. And, and that scares people. And I think that's what leads a lot of pastors and leaders to give ultimately questionable hardline rules. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say we, our human nature likes the old covenant because it was hard and fast rules mm-hmm. that, that we like the comfort of knowing what's okay. And what's not okay. It's very uncomfortable. to this, this led by the spirit Christian maturity <laughs> thing is scary. It, it's right. scary for right. people. Right? But I've really appreciated the, just, I heard it from, I think all of the people who were on the podcast, like that same echo of like i know what people want i know maybe what you're fishing for but i'm not going to give a hard and fast rule because it's just it's not how it works and that honestly jesse is the thing that often i get criticized about um if if i've ever received anything negative about the podcast it is why is it so ambiguous like, are you saying with this particular guest that you believe this? Are you saying that because you had this conversation that you believe that? And again, it's like, I'm not making any conclusions. I'm just exposing you to a way of thinking. I am exposing you or, or something that I get often is how come you didn't speak up when they said this? And again, it's kind of like, cause the point is just to listen. Right. Yeah. Same way that I want you to listen. I was in that moment just listening. And of course, there's times where, you know, you'll, I'll listen to an episode and I'll say, ah, you know what? If I could do it all over again, I would have asked them this just for clarity's sake, but not necessarily, you know, to, to prove my point about right. what I believe is, um, is, is what I believe to be the right thing. And I am doing something different this season. I'm slowly releasing Patreon episodes where you get to hear my reactions. So I do have a full episode where I have a reaction to what I heard Brenda Davies said. Um, And again, you know, so for people that want to pay a little money, you can hear me talk about that. But overall, I think the joy of the podcast is to say, you know what, what did you think about that? And, and based off of what you think, are you willing to rethink that? Are you willing to, at least understand someone that does think that way when you see them in person instead of hearing them on a podcast. So, yeah, but I appreciate that you also caught on to that for sure. Yeah, I think it was, um, um, was his last name Merritt? Jonathan Merritt, yeah. Yeah, John, I, think, I think it was Jonathan Merritt who, you know, said that like, well, if, if someone came to me with this question or with this issue, like I would start by asking the question. And we would have a conversation. And I think that that is, that's that, uh, that messy element of building actual authentic relationship with people that we've just gotten really bad at, Mm. especially in the church. Um, we, we, you know, we're not honest with each other. We're not, we're not humble with each other. We're not, uh, uh, vulnerable with each other. Uh, we don't confess our sins one to another that we can be prayed for and, and receive healing. We don't practice that in the church anymore. Um, it seems like, and, and, and I think that that's why people have just, they've defaulted to the old covenant idea of, of rules and regulations, uh, that allow us to identify some as included and some as excluded, um, because it's just easier. It's easier. It's, it's, it's laziness. It's easier to do it that way than to actually invest in building relationship with somebody and to understand their story. 
And like you said, sometimes when you hear that story, um, like I think of, <laughs> I, I've been sharing a lot and, and might actually be starting a YouTube channel based around the idea of, of Justin Ku's story about uh, Chico. Uh, just mm. this completely out of the box <laughs> like are you serious right now how conversion story right of uh you know just being able to invest in relationships and uh maybe maybe that's part of the fear is that people are afraid that if i get to know them that relationship will sway my thinking i don't mm-hmm. know if that if people are actually afraid of that like oh they their my relationship with them might actually they might actually make me into a sinner i don't know what the fear is but that's what we were taught. <laughs> if you hang out with sinners, you will become a sinner. That, that's what we were taught. I, like, what? Mm-hmm. I thought Jesus, what? Right? right. It's like, hold up. How right. is that? But that's what Jesus did. He invested in relationship and mm-hmm. and allowed his life to be an impact on their lives and to change their way of thinking. And and I think that that's the core difference is, is that I don't. And this is why, again, I appreciate Mark Clark. I think people are scared of that because they don't have strength within what they believe in. Mm-hmm. If, right. if one would beg to, 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 to wonder that if I could be talked out of Christianity, that I never fully had roots deep in this faith Thank the you. way that I should have. Thank you. Honestly. Yeah. And I yeah. think for some people, there's a sense of, well, I really like this thing. I'm not willing to do the work to be sure I'm strong in this thing. <laughs> so I'm just going to just avoid anybody that may persuade me from this thing. Yeah. So I think uh, I, that, that, you know, that's my humble and honest response as to why I think that is because I don't, I don't, the, all the progressive, all the interesting people that I've had that have had contradicting views on, you know, sex and faith and everything on my show. I don't have anybody that's changed that, that has made me recant from my beliefs. I've had mm-hmm. them expand why I believe them or, or maybe even give more understanding as to, you know, the opposing view. But again, that's because while yes, doing the podcast, I am also still in the word of God. I am also uh, have mentors and leaders that are giving me wisdom and insight yeah. on, on, you know, biblical truth. So, so I'm not scared of those conversations. I welcome them. And, and any change that I have is just a maturing of, of, of my beliefs and not necessarily um, me uh converting to something else if that makes sense yeah yeah no for sure i mean we our last episode we were just exploring we we had seen and i remember if tommy if you had seen this or i had seen this and then we decided to talk about it but uh, somewhere there was a, a some research that came out that and and i never remember whether it's 75 percent of christians get the majority of their doctrine from worship music or average Christians get 75% of their doctrinal beliefs, one of the two, but the 75% was interesting. And just, and and so then our question was, you know, if, if that's true, then we have to talk about the fact that theological accurateness and and truthfulness in lyrics then is very, very important uh, in the music worship music area. But I think it speaks to another issue is like, that's, that's that's an incredible level of probable immaturity in the church if we're getting our 
doctrine or our theology from from music and not from study of the word, not actually from the pastor's preaching. Um, and and I think that that's really the I think that's the crisis that the church is facing right now is a lack of maturity. That like you said, it, it makes people unable, unwilling scared to engage in conversations in relationship um, engage in christ-like ministry because it requires you to have a foundation and a root system uh, to go up into those things and not not get shaken by the storm and the waves um, mm. but to be able to stand strong and and i just don't think i don't think a lot of people have that and and of course that's on us as leaders we're not teaching them to have that I also think that it's uh, um, a lot of it has to do with, and tell me your thoughts, the experience surrounding our conversion or our divine persuasion. Um, because people that experience Jesus and have whose lives have been changed by Jesus are more apt to follow Jesus. When he, when he says or does something that looks different than what they're used to seeing or even used to reading. What do you guys think about that? You, you, you know what I'm saying? I feel like you would, somebody like Mark Clark, for instance, the pastor in Vancouver, would be like, oh, yeah, of course we're going to baptize someone in the LGBTQ community and not tell them that they have to stop being a part of the LGBTQ community and let the Holy Spirit lead them and guide them and change them uh, instead of us trying to do that. Because that's just how big and how crazy God is. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to someone who, um, uh, I use this, this example, uh, this martial arts example. You can have someone who started in martial arts from the time they were five to the time they were 50. And they'd be a great martial artist. But if you have someone who's been fighting in the streets from the time they were five to the time they were 50, and then they started in martial arts, they'll be an amazing fighter. Because the experience of fighting that experience of conflict is more real to them than someone who's been practicing it safely in a gym. You know what I'm saying? So what, what do you guys uh, think about that as far as how we interpret how big God is in it and, and how we could just follow people as opposed to conservative and progressive? I guess that's the context of the question. I think for, for, I mean, we talked about this um, and we're doing a, a Bible study right now. I'm leading through Corinthians and then I think it's chapter 13 of second uh, Corinthians. Uh, Paul talks about this test, this, this test of, of faith um, that the Corinthians are supposed to put themselves through basically. And, and when you look at the Greek, you realize that, uh, and this is throughout uh, the New Testament, it's not just there, but it's interesting because he's specifically talking about this test. And the idea that, that I think we get so wrong sometimes in Western, the Western idea, which is still very much the a Greek, right? So Paul, that's why I love Corinthians. He's speaking directly to this culture that's still prevalent today. Of uh, The fact that faith is not a self-created belief system. It, it is rooted in divine persuasion. And so what Paul was really saying is the test is, is, is your faith of your own creation such that you can be dissuaded from it? Or is it rooted in, in, in initial interaction? But then in that, I, I often look it up, but within that, there's also this, this idea that he says of, 
um, authentic, like direct experiential relationship is the foundation of this faith. And, and I think that speaks to what you're saying, Tommy, is like true faith is born out of experiential relationship, experience with God, and an ongoing relationship that, that continues to build and solidify and expand that faith. Um, absent that, um, it's just ideas, it's human wisdom um, that can often miss the mark. And, um, you know, what the YouTube channel is this question of like small box versus big box religion creates an ever increasingly small box for God, whereas relationship with him creates an ever increasingly large box for God to fit in. And, and that came directly from Justin Koo's story about Chico is just like, if you're in relationship with God, you begin to see how far outside of our boxes he works. And so your box should be expanding, you know, as the longer you walk with the Lord versus religion that does this. Right. And we won't accept anything outside of this. And the problem is this, this gets smaller and smaller and smaller, right? Even what? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, what, 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 what do you think about that? No, I absolutely agree. I think, um, I think people like structure. I think people like order. I think people like frameworks and it's it's good to know that two plus two equals four every time. And the complexity that oftentimes people can't wrap their heads around is that when you serve a God that invents those things and can operate outside of those things, there's a frustration because he's so non-conforming. In a sense, it's kind of like, it, you know, we all as parents have it where our kids may get upset because they get we have rules for them to safeguard them and to have them operate in so that they don't hurt themselves. But we operate outside of that and they can be frustrated because it's like, oh, how come they get to do that? And I don't get to do that. It's like, well, I'm the adult. I know what I'm doing. And I think that's the same way Jesus is. Here's the thing with the Pharisees that oftentimes we don't um, acknowledge is that the Pharisees, for the most part, were right. Like they yeah. were like, wait, these are the rules. These are right. the rules by which have been set up in order for there to be some idea of righteousness and stuff. And Jesus continued to buck against the rules, not because he was a rebel, but because he was like, yeah, I know what I was doing when I made those rules. Now right. I'm here to operate outside of that and help you understand that I am the ultimate power, the ultimate source. And if you follow me, then all of this other stuff will, will come together. It will work out. And, you know, we're, we're mentioning the Justin Koo episode. What I loved about the Justin Koo episode is for a lot of people, that's not how evangelism is supposed to work. That's not how she, uh, being a good Christian to a non you know, believer, the uh, believing person that's doing anawaska uh, is supposed to work. You're supposed to bring them to your church. You're supposed to have a dynamic preacher bring them to Christ. And then you're supposed to have them give up all of that stuff. And hopefully if it all works out, some supernatural, I gave it all away and now I'm good. But 
Justin Koo's story is so the opposite of that. Right. Oh, and, oh, and by the way, you should do that the first time that you meet the person. And the first time that you the meet The first them. time he brings up the fact that he's, he's doing the ayahuasca <laughs> stuff and having visions. Yeah. And if he doesn't change that time, you should tell all your friends, do not go to that barbershop. Exactly. Like, that, that's how right. evangelism works in Western. In, in right. Church, right. 100%. But what Justin Koo's story ultimately shows is God doesn't have to operate that way to change someone's heart. Yeah. God told Justin Koo, sit here and get a haircut mm-hmm. and talk to him. Yeah. Drive, two <laughs> Drive two hours. Drive two hours for a haircut. That's right. That's, that's an incredible testament of the power of the Holy Spirit and not the power of our evangelism plan that we teach our kids in middle school. Yeah. So I think, I, I think one of the power, the what God did in that was almost as, as powerful to me, or, or I'm not saying that right, but just, Justin's obedience in that was almost mm-hmm. as powerful to me as what God actually did in Chico's life. Because again, it's like how many of us, even those of us who call us mature would continue to drive two hours for a haircut with this dude telling all these crazy stories mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it, it was it was his sensitivity and obedience was as impressive to me as what God actually did in Chico's life, too. Absolutely. Uh, because I know how uncommon that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just thought that that was amazing. But, yeah, it's like that level of obedience to the Holy Spirit um, to do something completely uncharacteristic and completely against what we have been taught. Um, I feel like... So incredible in that story. And that's why it's just really been sticking with me. It's not even just that God did something so out of the box. It was also that Justin was being willing to be obedient outside of the box. Right. Um, yeah. I thought that was so cool. I feel like, again, that goes back to Justin's life story. Like he was accustomed to seeing God do things out of the box. So he, so that wasn't like, uh, a drudgery for him to be like, oh, God, you want me to go sit? This guy's talking about drugs. I don't want to sit. Well, he was, a, about- he was accustomed to being obedient. Yeah. I mean, he talked about how, like, you know, as he grew in the Lord, he, he developed this relationship where when he wasn't sure, which I think a lot of us just need to admit that we're not sure more often. We feel like we always have to act like or, 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 or be sure about everything. Again, we've talked about a hundred times, right? The fact that people are not taught that, that it's okay to ask questions. Yeah. Um, somebody just said that in our Bible study last night. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what, like, I never thought about this because I never knew that I could even ask questions about these belief systems, right? Uh-huh. And, and he had developed that. And so then when it comes time for something like this, he'd already developed this routine of being, paying attention to people talk about being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And, and that's what yeah. he, really what he did, which was, which is what allowed this to happen. Um, and, and God would probably would have done what God was going to do in Chico's life anyway. I don't know that, that uh, Justin had a lot to do with that, but he wouldn't have been there to then take him through the next steps. Right. Now, that now that you've had the experience, you know that Jesus is real and you're giving your life to him. Now let me come in and, and disciple you and teach you what the word is and, and what God meant when he said to follow it. And, baptize you and this opportunity for these other people around him to get saved through his conversion. Um, that was Justin's role. And he spent what, I don't, not clear what the timeline was, maybe something like two years 
Mm-hmm. I think that, it was. For that all to happen. The other thing, too, is Justin being able to see God do something amazing in someone else's life. Yeah. Like, walk, see God do the whole timeline of he's just hanging out, getting a haircut. To, I think that was Jesus. To, I know that was Jesus. To, I want to follow this Jesus. He was there for the whole ride, just yeah. like. What's up, man? <laughs> What's up? So, um, it's um, Stephen just brought his son on. This, hey, this is it's not only humble and honest, but we in the barbershop, y'all. This is what happens at the barbershop. Really? <laughs> um, but uh, one of the other things I want to ask: why, why are people so afraid of? And Stephen has talked to more people. Uh, on his on his podcast and, and Jesse and I, but Jesse and I uh, definitely interact with as many people uh, on a daily basis. Why are people so afraid in within the church, so afraid to ask questions? What What is the barrier? I think it's like you said, like uh, whether it's culture, whether it's uh, uh, really um, what's the word I'm looking for, um, overemphasized honor and respect for leaders, um, <laughs> and whether it's a, the, a false doctrine and theology around doubt. Um, I think all, and really, I think it's all of the above. Like if it was A, B, C, or D, all of the above, it's all of the above. All of those have intertwined to create atmospheres and cultures in, I think, Western church in general, where we think that to ask the question is to doubt and to doubt is to sin or to ask a question or to doubt is also on the same side of the, you know, opposite side of the same coin is to disrespect the pastor or, you know, the bishop, the elder, whoever. Um, and so w- between those two things, people are very reticent, hesitant to ever ask any questions. And I, and I don't think that helps people be solid in their faith. I think that just leaves them with a, with a, a crumbly foundation, which then causes them to be afraid to, to face or address anything serious because uh, that whole building will come tumbling down because they have these questions that never got answered that are always going to be in the back of their their mind in the in the in the dark recesses of their heart that when it yeah. comes time to really trust God they're not sure that they can and, and I think that's dangerous and it keeps people in a place of immaturity because they don't feel like um they don't feel like they can move forward. It'd be like if you tried to Stephen with your kid right there if you tried to teach your toddler how to walk on a waterbed. It's going to take them a long time to figure out how to walk because it's so unsteady. They're not going to feel safe. They're not going to feel secure. They're not going to feel like they can actually stand up. Right. And I think that's where a lot of Christians are at with the, their foundation, because we didn't let them ask questions. We didn't let them uh, uh, seek the Lord and seek the word um, to settle these issues in their heart, whether it's experiences or questions about scripture or doctrine, whatever. And they just walk around with those things. And those are cracks in their foundation. Those are, waves that they never feel like they're ever on a steady foundation so of course they're not going to push forward of course they're not going to expand their thinking of course they're not they can barely stand up Mm -hmm. 
I would say just kind of echoing what you're saying, Jesse, I think too many churches are teaching people what to think instead of how to think. Mm -hmm. And because you teach people what to think instead of how to think, then you don't necessarily have any room for questions. You don't have room for doubt because that's not what's part of the program. That's not what's part of um, what considered, what would be considered to be spiritual maturity and health. So when someone has a question, there is an intimidation to ask because instead of saying, oh, there should be a solution to this, they're like, oh, if I were to ask this, I might be considered, you know, uh, I don't want to use the word infidel. That's a very strong word. But you you don't want to be considered as someone that is against this faith that you are holding to. Yeah. And I think when we develop churches and also have ministry that is created to say, hey, listen, we have we know that there are complexities. We know, shout out to Aaron Moon and another great episode where really she cool. kind of talks about that. And, and and we hear from her how she's saying, listen, I want my children to have faith in Jesus. But what's not going to work is me th- shoving Christ down their throats so that they conform to it um, and, and not leaving room for questions. I need to be honest and say, hey, listen, there's complexities, there's mysteries, there are things that I don't understand. There are things that, you know, if I could be honest, I don't like it. If I wrote the book, I would have wrote it differently. But this is what it is. And we wrestle with that. But we trust that ultimately, that the God that is spoken of in this book is the God that is not only um, in these pages, but is present in our lives and is moving and active and able to change and and to make new and can also handle the difficulty and the nuance of the things that we experience each and every day. So I I can't help but think that's the thing that ultimately I want to see more churches come to that's that sense of welcoming those questions. And I and I also not to talk too much, I also understand why many churches don't because that just makes it so much messier that makes it it's so much easier to say give 10 percent because god will bless it than to get into the argument of oh well is is it supposed to be only 10 percent? i thought that was only the old testament you know what are you doing with my money yeah yeah is it my net is it my gross like it's so much easier just to say if you give 10 percent, god will bless it god will bless also if you give more than 10 percent, but just give 10 percent and have faith and i'm not speaking against that i'm just saying i get it it's so much easier to have that conversation than to dedicate hours upon hours to talk about the complexities of generosity in scripture and what we're supposed to be doing as believers to, to, when it when it comes to it yeah, no, if we teach people, if we teach people the, the Latin, um, which I love, I, I got this from my New Testament study class last summer, the uh, omnibus dubitandum, that means doubt everything. And it doesn't mean to not believe in the things that you're hearing. It literally means to con- search it out more. Don't take what you're hearing for the first time at face value. It just means to continue to search it out more. And I feel like that is, I feel like that's what we're called to do. I think that's what God wanted us to do. We, we did an episode on science and God. Um, and uh, 
this and we landed on science studying science brings us closer to to understanding the heart and the mind of god um so if we teach people to um to have that employ that the only do we kind of we teach them to to figure out or to keep learning about god to keep learning about god's heart um instead of making them afraid. I like what Mark Clark said on your episode that you just released, um, making them say, well, the pastor said, because that's what we don't want. We don't want them to be like, well, this is the pastor's gospel. No, Paul said, if anybody comes to you preaching another gospel than this one, which is the gospel, the, the gospel of literally Christ's law, what Jesus came, what he did, and what he has done and what he's doing, then don't, don't listen to them. Um, but he never said, don't ask questions of them. And I feel like we, we scare people off from the questions. Um, and we're coming up on, it's already been an hour and your, and your boy is up. But what, what from this season do you want people to take away? I know you, we can't stop people from sending hey, mail, from, uh, from, from asking you questions, from asking us questions. Well, how come you didn't say more about that how come you didn't press them more on this issue what is the big thing that you want people to take away from this season and from all of your all your podcasts especially in the sphere that you are are presently in Yeah, absolutely. I would want people to understand that God is bigger. That God that God is so much bigger than you than you think. And I I I'm a victim of it. I think all of us to some degree we we put God in a box he doesn't belong in. We put the creator of the universe and set him to 10 plus rules by which he's supposed to operate and be consistent in and and get upset when we come across people that see him differently. And you know, something at the at the top of this episode that we wanted to talk about was even the Equality Act and and you know, I just want to touch on that briefly. The the Absolutely. big thing in regards to the Equality Act that a lot of has a lot of churches fearful is that there's this idea that's going to change the church as we know it from um, the hiring process to uh, how we handle the bathrooms and um, things that somewhat seem silly. So also to some degree could come across as concerning. I get that. But even in the sense of that, I want people to know God's got it the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. bro. And if that means that, that we don't have our nonprofit status, but we're going to keep preaching the gospel. And I understand that that's a very difficult thing because for a lot of people, um, if, if, if their church doesn't have nonprofit status, they don't have the financial means to keep going. They, they just simply don't. And, yeah. but whatever the case may be, and honestly, I think we're, we're definitely um, looking at, something that I don't think is going to be that big of a concern. I haven't heard anybody really bring up the Equality Act the past month and change. So uh, I don't know what the status of it is, but I do want to be clear 
that whatever the case is, whether it's the Equality Act or something in the future, God is bigger and the church will prevail. I, I cannot, I, I re, that's one thing I refuse to believe any different, that God is bigger and the church will prevail. What it looks like, I don't know, but it will prevail. 2020, when all the churches shut down, a lot of pastors were up in arms and scared and whatever. Here we are, 2021, it's about to be May. The church has prevailed. We've maybe your church attendance physically has shifted, but I'm right. still hearing left and right. I saw someone that came to Christ in South Africa and got baptized in a lake full of gators. The God is God bro, is still working. Bro. You know what I'm saying? So bro. so I refuse to believe any different narrative. So that that's what I want. That, that that's what I'll leave it on. Yeah. yeah. Hey. And again, like yeah. you said, like it, it's so funny how we are so um, picky about how we're going to apply scriptures about not fearing for certain things, but then we're more than happy to be afraid about other things. And I think you spoke <laughs> right to it, Stephen. Is like again, oh, okay, so they passed the 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 equal you know equality act, like. Are they killing Christians yet? Are they blowing, like? Are they right. kicking us out of the ability to say we can't meet in public anymore? Like, we're not anywhere near. And even then, even still, uh, places in the world where that's happening, the church is flourishing. The the early church, right after Christ, was in that very situation and flourished. Like none of this stuff can stop God. None of this stuff can destroy the church. It will sh it will shift the reality of how we do ministry, sure, but it never stops the gospel, you know. And, and uh, I don't remember which one of the snippets it was that you had on the best of, because you didn't uh, you didn't identify them as you kind of switched from person to person, right? So I don't know who it was, but she talked about how like I think God is preparing us for when we actually step into a season of what we could really call persecution in this country. I'm of the same the same. That was the Latino. Believe the same thing. Latino. Tommy and I, Diana Nepstead. Who was that? The Queen Diana Nepstead, incredible woman of God. Yeah, a pastor out in uh, the Bay Area. Okay. That's right. Yeah. So, and that was from a full episode, I'm assuming. So, anybody who wants to hear that full conversation, you can find her on the Humble and Honest podcast. But uh, yeah, I was like, man, that's, I, I thought she was right on. Like, he, he's, he's in his faithfulness and goodness, slowly introducing. Uh, this struggle to us in the church that many of our brothers and sisters around the world have been dealing with for centuries. And yet the church has flourished. And, uh, and I think that, yeah, we just have to stop being so afraid to lose our particular model of mm. Christianity, knowing that there's nothing the world could do to take away our faith. That's it. Only to shift the way that we do ministry. I, I'm, I'm personally of the, you know, I think, I think, the church is not long for 501c3. I don't know. I don't think that's going to last much longer. I think that especially with the animosity the church built up over the last election cycle, I think that that's something that, that is going to go away in the not too distant future. And that will change the reality of ministry for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, it can't stop the gospel. <laughs> it's just like all we have to do is look at history and realize that, uh, you know, we don't need all of that stuff. And that's and literally that, all we have to do is yeah. look at the history. We've seen uh, Pilate couldn't kill. He killed the body of Jesus, but the person 
the truth, the peace went on and has lasted. The, the church of Jesus Christ has, has gone on. Uh, Rome couldn't kill it. Uh, and why do we think a little virus or them quarantining people is going to kill it? Why? I mean, people getting baptized in lakes with alligators. Come, I mean, come on. Like, you're the, not the, stopping it. The, the genocide of, Ju- uh, of the Holocaust couldn't even stop Judaism. It couldn't even stop so it. So it's like, it's like, look, yeah, nothing, nothing in the world can stand. The gates of hell cannot prevail. Yeah. Against the kingdom. And I think if, yeah, I think you're right, Stephen, if we, if we had a little bit more of that confidence, then these things wouldn't shake us quite so significantly. And, uh, and we would just be able to, to move on knowing, I, I, I talk about those people too. Like I, I get the idea of trying to influence culture and government um, with the morality of Christianity. Yeah. But I think, I mean, ultimately scripture tells us that we're going to lose that war. <laughs> and I think that we, we, especially in America, need to let go of the idea that government is going to be on our side um, because we're pretty much, I mean, Scripture tells us it's going to get darker and darker, hearts are going to get colder and colder, and the world systems are not going to be on our side um, if they ever really were. And that's just a reality that we need to be okay with and know that God already knew that, that was going to happen because he already told us about it. So, uh, Stephen, you have some episodes still remaining to be released uh correct what are you excited uh who are you excited about letting the folks hear uh i'm excited about an episode with uh living wholehearted uh very excited to have those oh yeah that's years. right uh yeah. i believe they were yeah awesome. i believe they're they awesome. were us uh, yeah they're they're incredible um thank you for the connection by the way that that happened sure. because of you tommy so i appreciate that um i also am looking forward to having uh incredible woman of god named kat harris she has a book called sexless sexless in the city and just basically talking about how she was someone that preached purity culture, how she's repented from that, how um, she views sex before marriage. I think it'll be a, a different take on the Brenda Davies conversation, but one I definitely also believe will have a lot of people talking. And sure. a few that I don't wanna speak on yet just because I need confirmation that they will be on the show. Uh, yep. We are drawing to an end for season three also, but I am also excited to announce on this podcast that there will be a season four. Yep, so sir. again, uh, I'm going until I believe that God has told me to stop, but definitely look forward to some of those episodes coming out. Bro, what, um, I, most of your family is in ministry. Um, Correct. Your, uh, especially your extended family, uh, your in-law side. And I know there are listeners of the podcast too, um, not to mention the folks that go to, that are in the community that uh, you are co-pastoring there. How have some of those conversations gone with some of the things that maybe are, are a little different for people to hear and understand? Uh, how have you navigated in those conversations and were you able to help? 
them to actually rethink or, or maybe not. Yeah. You know, what's actually really great is the people that know me the best. Um, they also understand my heart. So they're able to hear what I'm, what I'm doing and say, okay, if Steven is having this type of conversation, then maybe there's something here that I need to understand and learn and, and grow from. So I'm definitely grateful for many of my family members that have shown support um, for the podcast. And I've definitely had a few episodes where they just kind of said, you know, I'm going to skip this one. I don't, I don't know if this one's for me. And, you know, that's fine. That's fine as well, you know. Um, but oftentimes, more often than not, uh, I get very encouraging messages from friends and family that say, hey, man, uh, that that episode definitely challenged me in some really great ways. And I appreciate you being able to have those conversations because I don't think I would have been able to have that on my own. And uh, that's always humbling to hear. No pun intended. Sure. Yo, man, Jesse, if you if you don't have any more questions uh, or if you don't have any more comments, I'm I'm good. I'm so grateful we got a chance to to have Stephen back on and uh, and just to hear your heart and your take on uh, on this season as well as past seasons and and how you go about uh, helping people to really do what Adam Grant is doing, helping people rethink. Um, and reevaluate, put, bring in new data, uh, so that they can see God in a different way than than they have. And uh, we we definitely appreciate. It. My wife lo- loves Humble Nines podcast, uh, and uh, Jesse and I for sure love the Humble Nines podcast. Uh, and uh, we love everything that that you're doing, and we're grateful that you came back out and that a season four is coming out. So. Uh, I'm definitely humbled that you joined us again. <laughs> Honestly, humbled that you joined us again. So I think we need to do an episode about the Vikings and how uh, how how all of their religions from way back in the second and third uh, first, second, third century, um, how people were finding God in crazy ways. So we, that might not, that might need to be a show. We just talk wherever about God that. is wherever God has been, and wherever yeah. people have been honestly seeking for the truth, they have found Him in incredible ways. Yeah, that is always true. That story from Justin Cooper reminded me of a documentary that I'd seen where uh, the guy had an interaction with a Hindu priest who came up to him and was like, um, "Let's talk." I had a dream last night, and a man in a robe with a beard showed me your face. And they had this conversation and the dude was like, you know, tell me a little bit more about this dream and comes to find out like this guy had a vision of Jesus in his dream who told him to t- that this man would have truth for him. And so this guy ends up getting saved through that and begins to preach the gospel to the people in his town. Um, Let's not forget. Uh, also, yeah. Let, the Just a Cool episode, the shaman that the his barber was interacting with said he asked Jesus for permission. That's right. That's right. Say, that, is, like, that would just got to be kidding. I feel like some pastor yeah. could have a conversation for like a long time. But like, right. how, do we, how do we, mm. how do we explain that theologically? Like right. so many pastors 
whole theology got jacked up listening to that part of the episode. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, good God. It reminds me of, it reminds me of um, the, you guys seen the movie Patch Adams with Mm -hmm. Robin Williams when he plays the the doctor. And and he's kind of like, right, he's the out of the box doctor who doesn't, it isn't, and and he says this great quote, which I think applies to evangelism, applies to God, right? He says, you know, when you treat the disease, you win, you lose. You treat the person, you win every time. Yeah. And and I think that that's that's we just have that concept have to have that conception of, of God. Like it's not about our rules and in our theology and our doctrine when it comes to God reaching the hearts of people. He'll do something totally crazy and outside the box if that's what it takes to reach somebody. And uh, because He cares about the person, He cares about the everlasting soul. He cares about the heart. I'll send you Amen. some ayahuasca. I got some in the. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, where can people hear and find out more about Stephen Francis? If they have any questions, if they want to reach out to you, uh, if they want to check out Humble and Honest, where the platforms that is on, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, my number one place of social media is Instagram. And you can find me at Stephen with a P-H. So S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Francis, F-R-A-N-C-I-S, Jr., J-R. So that is my name on Instagram, Stephen Francis, Jr. You can find the Humble and Honest podcast wherever you get podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, um, Google Podcasts. Just go ahead, just Google Humble and Honest podcast and it should pop up somewhere. And um, yeah, I, I also have a website, stephenfrancisjr.com. That's not only where you can uh, connect with my content, but if you're looking to book me for a speaking opportunity or anything like that, I am available there as well. So that's all the places that you can find me. That is what's up. And Jesse, if anybody has any questions, comments, any hate mail, any ideas for topics for upcoming episodes, where can they go to get in touch with us? Yeah, you guys can you can always find the faith chair on we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, it's just real simple. Just look for the faith chair. And uh, you can always email us at faith chair at uh, faith, sorry, faith chair podcast at gmail.com. And, and again, uh, topic ideas, reactions, thoughts, uh uh you know, we don't have a fancy website yet, but Tommy and I are also available if you ever want us to <laughs> come out and speak, <laughs> preach, whatever. Oh, uh, I was down for that. Um, if you'd like to, yeah, you know, if you'd like to be on the podcast, if you think you have a topic or something that you have something to contribute, hit us up. Hit us up. We'd love to do it. Yo, Steven, man, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Really appreciate it. Uh, and Jesse, I am not mad at what's happening here in the front. You get the hair. That's, that's kind of tight. I don't even know why I showered this morning because I knew I was going to be carrying all this stuff and getting all sweaty. But... <laughs> I, so, think, I also think it looks great, Jesse. Thanks, man. Appreciate, appreciate Thank you guys for having me. Brother, yeah. you know I mean. God bless you. All right, bro. All right. Man, Thank you so much, there. guys. All right, bro. Will do. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Join us next time. Yes, please join us next time as Jesse and I continue to answer questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture.